Hey, we're starting a brand new book, The Book of Galatians, and the title of this book is Learning to Live Free. And in this first chapter, we're looking at an apostle's experience of grace. Understand Paul in writing to the churches, that is plural, in the area of Galatia, these are churches Paul loved. These are churches that Paul gave birth to, churches that he planted, and churches he actually cared more for than any other people. And when these Judaizers were coming in and saying, yes, you need Jesus, but you also need to be circumcised. Yes, you need Jesus and the dietary laws. Yes, you need Jesus and Sabbath keeping. They were destroying the gospel of grace. You know, Paul uses the word grace 120 times in his writings. He is the New Testament messenger of grace. You compare that to the Apostle John, who uses the word grace seven times. And when you take John's gospel and John 1, 2, and 3 of his letters and the book of Revelation that he wrote too, it's a total in all of his writings of seven times he uses grace. Paul is the one who talks about the grace of God because it was so powerful in his own life that God loved him and forgave him and is bringing him to heaven solely upon the very fact of what Christ did for him on the cross. It had nothing to do with Paul's contribution to the religious world, and believe me, he contributed a lot to the religious world. No, Paul understood there's only one solution for the sin problem, one single solution to the sin problem, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, the great news. You know, Paul sees these Judaizers, these false teachers, as poisoning the well of salvation. Paul understands how serious this is. It's like kidnapping. It's that personal to him. You're taking my kids, the church, away from what is home base when it comes to doctrine. Paul sees these people taking the church away from the one pure stream of eternal life that flows through them in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul comes on forcibly. There is no thanksgiving at the beginning of this letter like in his other writings. I mean, Paul dives right in. This was actually Martin Luther's favorite book of the New Testament, Galatians. Martin Luther called Galatians his epistle. It was the book, it was this book's message that set him free as a Roman Catholic priest. He was worried about indulgences. He was into asceticism, which is the practice of strict self-denial as a measure of personal and spiritual discipline. You see, the condition, the practice, the mode of the life of an ascetic that was rigorous punishment to prove worthy to God. If people would walk upstairs on their knees and walk downstairs on their knees, they'd wear heavy chains around their neck, never taking them off. The practice of denial of physical or psychological desires in order to obtain a spiritual ideal or goal. Martin Luther would starve himself and bloody himself all for the very purpose of actually believing it was getting him closer to the Lord. But through Galatians and its companion book, Romans, Martin Luther realized that the just shall live by faith. You are justified by God when you put your faith in Jesus, and that's the way you live out your life on earth, period. That was what set him free. He learned to live free. Now, here's how we're going to divide up the outline for this book. Understand that there are six chapters. The first two chapters, Paul talks about his experience. 
Chapters 3 and 4, he talks about his doctrine. And the last two chapters, 5 and 6, he talks about the application of those things. So in verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor from man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Paul is saying there in verse 1 that his office in the church has nothing to do with man. Paul is saying ordination comes from God, not from man. And when we realize or we recognize a person at our church who we may believe are spiritual leaders, then we're just affirming what we believe God has already ordained. We recognize that. Thus, we as a church will affirm that with them. In verse 6, it goes on to say, And I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Paul is blown away. It's as if he can't believe that they would pervert the gospel of Christ. Not in his wildest imagination. Now he hears that Judaizers are coming in and agreeing with Paul that Jesus is Messiah, but you need more than just Jesus. You need circumcision. You need to keep the holy civil laws like dietary. Paul says, I marvel, which means I'm astonished. I'm amazed. Like there's this fast track for them to, it says, turning away. That word turning away has been translated as turncoat. It has the idea of being a deserter on the battlefield. So Paul is astonished. He's amazed. He marvels that they were in the process of deserting from the gospel so fast. You are a deserter of Jesus in this way. You are a deserter of freedom. Jesus died so you could be set free so that you don't have to put up with religious stuff and be genuinely free. You are deserting him who has called you into the sphere of his grace. And it goes on to say in verse 8, But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you, then what you have received, let him be accursed. Paul says, even if an angel from heaven comes, and preaches any other gospel to you other than the one that you receive from us, let him be accursed, which means be eternally damned. This is how serious Paul sees this. And then he adds to that in verse 10, for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For I, if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. In other words, Am I seeking the approval of man or am I seeking the approval of God? For I'm, if I'm out to please man, I have no business being the bondservant of Jesus Christ. None at all. See, Paul is saying, I'm not a politician. I don't care what is popular or politically correct. Like he said in verse 1, my apostleship is not through man, it's of God. This is the message he, Christ, gave me. It's the message that set me free, says Paul. That God's own son died in my place. I was a blasphemer. I was a hater of the church and Christians. Yet the grace of Christ overcame me. And in all that, he lets me be the apostle of grace. If I get into heaven, then everybody gets into heaven, he's saying. 
Do you think I'm trying to win a popularity contest when I say of these Judaizers, let them be eternally damned? So whose approval am I seeking, man or God? Listen, God sent me. It's God's message, and it has the power to change lives. If I seek to please men, then I am completely disqualified from being God's bondservant, from being God's messenger. Verse 11, it says, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, I was not taught by men. It was not by instruction or human origin. It was something divine that came to me as I learned the gospel. Paul was telling us of his experience with Jesus Christ. You see, Paul realizes there's not a single thing that he's done that contributes to this experience and fact of God's salvation, except that my salvation or my religion has made me the enemy of grace. That's important to note because any religion becomes the enemy of this grace that Paul's writing about. What he came to realize, it's not law, works, deeds, it's grace. It's not law, works, deeds, it's faith. It's not Moses, it's Jesus. It's not Mount Sinai, it's Calvary. It's not earned, it's received. It's not trying, it's trusting. It's not religion or relationship. It's not do, it is done. That is all grace. So there's Paul, trembling, it says, on the road to Damascus as his world of religion comes crumbling down. Then Jesus says, I'm going to send you, Saul, to the nations. You're going to tell people the good news, the grace of God. I'm sending you into the world to do this. This is not from man or from man's instruction, no origin of man. This was the experience from God to Saul. You are my apostle of grace to the world. That's why Paul is so astonished, amazed, marveling about what they were doing to pervert the gospel of grace. Verse 13 says, For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persuaded the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it, how I had advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Paul's talking about rabbinic Judaism. About 430 years before Christ, there were these writings called the Mishnah and the Talmud. These were not just books of 50 pages or so. These were volumes. The Talmud alone had 23 volumes of added stuff. They were commentaries on the law and such. It was all extra rules, extra traditions, <laughs> actually extra nausea of all this extra stuff that was not biblical. There were volumes that went beyond what was written in the Bible. It also included the oral word tradition. That would be like if a rabbi heard something just in passing, and he goes, I like that. I'm going to write that down. Then it became into one of the, the Talmud or the Mishnah. Listen, as the Greek culture comes into full swing, just before Jesus comes on the scene, they really felt the need to be more relevant with the culture. So there were two prominent rabbis in that day that everybody looked to. One of them's name was Shimei. He was a conservative. And the other one's name was Hillel. He was liberal. The Mishnah mentions how they disagreed. So they interpreted the Mishnah and the Talmud, these two rabbis, according to cultural relevance. 
and many times, no doubt, two schools of thought. Under Hillel, there was actually a student named Gamaliel, who was the scholar of Paul's day. Paul studied under Gamaliel. In secular writings, Gamaliel said, I could not find enough books for Paul to read. That's why Paul says in verse 14, I am more exceedingly zealous. There's not one in my league when it comes to the law, traditions, and oral traditions than me. Think about the church today. We're wanting to be more relevant to the culture, and we've gotten away from the gospel of grace into traditions, extra writings, works, deeds, conservative side, the liberal side. Listen, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be relevant. relevant. We take sides of belief. So, but now so many have become enemies of the gospel of grace when we take sides with all these different schools of thought. And the pure gospel of grace, living free, is gone. As we go through this book, the book of Galatians, for the next number of weeks, we are going to, all of us, you and I are going to learn how to live free. Verse 18 goes on to say, and then after these, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. So Paul is saying, this is, this is the deal. I get saved in Damascus by direct confrontation with Jesus. I'm there. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I start to preach Christ, but there is tension there, so I have to get out of town. And, of course, Paul must have felt at that time there's no need going to Jerusalem if I'm causing tension in Damascus. But I don't need the approval of, of man of my message, for I received it divinely right from Jesus, and I was filled with his spirit. But it says he goes to Arabia for three years. So for three years after he is saved, Paul goes into Arabia, which is Sinai. Paul takes time in the very place where Moses and Elijah spent time with the Lord. So Paul is there to grind through some things. And for three years, he disappears. He finally comes back with this theology that was ground by the grace of God into his heart. He comes back to Damascus, but he gets there. He's a wanted man. They had a contract out on him. So he had to be let down the wall in a basket. And then once he gets out of that basket, he goes to Jerusalem. Several years after his conversion, he went to see Peter. And he also saw James, the Lord's half-brother. The reason I went there had nothing to do with instruction. They didn't add anything to me. I didn't go there except to get acquainted. And for 15 days, they spent time together. Can you imagine that old, gnarly, rugged fisherman Peter and an educated genius scholar like Paul (laughs) hanging out together with the common bond of Jesus? I mean, what Paul saw in the face of Peter was God's grace. And what Peter saw in the face of Paul was God's grace. They both probably just marveled at the grace of God in each other's life. I mean, why would he, Jesus, choose either one of us? I could imagine them thinking. Wouldn't you love to have a record of those 15 days those two spent together? I mean, would Paul have asked Peter, Peter, tell me, is it really true that you got out of the boat and you walked on water? And, of course, Peter's response would be, yeah, but just for a second, though. Can you imagine Peter taking Paul on a tour of where they spent the Last Supper? Maybe took him to the, to the room where they were at Pentecost when the church first got started. Maybe took him to the Garden of Gethsemane and showed him where Jesus wept in agony that night. And then to spend time with James. I could imagine Paul asking James, what was Jesus like as a big brother? 
Paul may be asking James, was he a good carpenter? What did the two of you do when you were alone? What put a smile on his face? What made Jesus laugh? So just imagine all Paul's religion just turned into relationship. Paul was in love with Jesus. He was in love with, with grace. Paul was, was probably more angry with religiosity now, more so than he was with the church before. Paul didn't want anyone to touch the glory of Jesus in the gospel of grace. But here's our take home for all this. Are you cultivating your relationship with Jesus? Not your religious duty, but your relationship. Because that's what Paul was all about. That's what changed this man. And he can have a personal relationship with God. Don't take for granted this thing. Cultivate this relationship we have with Jesus Christ. Once again, this is about relationship. This is about learning to live free under the wonderful gospel of grace.